0: This is Apostle Baker, Jay Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. Welcome to the Still Telling It Like It Is program. And last week, uh, I was with Apostle Barry Cook, which I'm going to be with him for quite a while. He's going to be with me for quite a while. Any rate, and he was talking on um, on some so practical things that just touched us. I mean, touched me, and so then I touched him with it. Any rate... Push the button, the share button. This is Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, no, it's uh, no, it's not. Well, anyway, it's getting close to Thanksgiving weekend and Thanksgiving week, and so you're going to need some of this before you go into all of those things that you're going to go into uh, next week with your family and stuff. So uh, push the button, your friends, enemies, and all that. Share this program. Share what's going on. And Apostle Barry Cook is coming on right now, and I'm going to give him all the time he needs. Hallelujah within our time limit.
1: Well, yeah, of course. Well pray, yeah. praise the Lord. It's wonderful to be back on here again, continuing uh we have been talking about the blessing is in the cluster. And uh and uh, we read the text out of Isaiah a few times and I encourage you to go back and, and look at that and um uh, just just um excited to kind of break down some things on understanding that as we come together in groups and we come together as teams that, you know, there's a difference in, a, I'm headed to what you, we were talking about, but there's a difference in work groups and teams. And a lot of people don't know the difference, but one is, is a, it's just spiritually motivated by a mission. And that's really what produces a team. And that's um, all the people that teach on teams that, most people teach on teams, but they're really teaching on work groups, and, and and they're just trying to get everybody in line, uh, for a work group. But um, and that's nothing wrong. You can still get things accomplished, but with with a team, there is the same spirit. We're working towards the same cause. We have something deeper that's driving us. So, in a work group, my part is to you know to uh, put the a mute a. a a song, a theme song, together for a conference. So I'm a praise and worship leader, or, or you know, my my job is to put a commercial because I'm media, um, for, together for it. Now, we put it together based on our talents or skills in a team setting. Though we underst- we ask ourselves central questions. Like for me, it was every time one of these guys did something, they said, "Is this?" Demonstrating evangelism to the lost? Is this causing revival to the church? Is this stimulating reformation to our community? If it is not, then it doesn't meet the criteria. So before it even came to the table, and the way it would be judged first off would be did it meet that criteria? And then it would be, well, it's a catchy song or that's, you know, I love the the transitions in the media, but the real question about whether it was successful or not was, did it meet that criteria? Because mission is always at the center of a team. Why is this important? Because Christ's mission is already anointed. (laughs) It already contains power. It already contains an anointing. So that's why people still today, well, well, you took that, so I'm gonna take something else. I'm thinking, well, no matter what you word it, that still has to be what you I just said it plain instead of using fancy words because every time I tried to use fancy words, people got confused. Now I use plain words and I still people still arguing with me. You know, well, evangelism isn't enough. You know, shut up. Why won't you ask me what I mean by it? Come to the class and learn about it. You know, that's the problem. You're not asking questions. You you know, what does revival mean? Well, we don't need to be revived. Who doesn't? I do every stinking day, sometimes several times a day. I've got to shake myself back up, wake myself back up and align myself rightly with Christ. You know, well, we're already seated with Christ. Yeah, but I tend to forget about it every now and then. My natural mind, my fingernails, I have to clip them every week because they grow flesh. Hello, so does every other part of us. Our opinions grow, our egos grow flesh, our, our, our intelligence grows flesh. Lord, Jesus, help me on this. And, and we can cloak it in spiritual terms and it's still just fleshly intellect using spiritual terms and nobody know nothing about that anymore. Help me, Jesus. Lord God, Woo, I feel a whole nother bunny trail, but I'm gonna stay up here, um, you know, and, and as we get into this, we're looking at the scripture in Isaiah, what was it, 58, uh, 9, um, I should have, uh, yeah, um, uh, was it, uh, anyway, I need to go back and look at it, but, um, but uh, I don't want to take the time. But uh, um, if, you, if you see it, let, let me know. But the, the purpose was that is we were discussing the fact that it was a natural historical uh, event that happened. But in the text, it also reflects on the days to come. It's telling you that this is something that just like Jesus, the woman at the well, um, that now is it is you know, but it's coming. Uh, Sixty-five eight.
0: Isaiah, Sixty-five
1: six, eight. Thank you. ha I mean, I, Yeah, I wrote it down before I, I got uh, I got uh, focused on it. Sixty-five eight. Just, uh, but that is our key text there on the on the blessing being in the cluster, and then I broke down the surrounding text, gave you the natural situation, which is still a beautiful metaphor but about how God preserves us out of trouble. I mean, that's still, that's the promise he was trying to make in literal perspective, but then it makes reference to, to what is to come. So he's trying to tell us, uh, just Gen- in Genesis, when when Jacob brings all his sons together, he prays over all them, but the the very first verse, and I think it's Genesis 49.1, it says, um, call your sons together and, and lay your hands on them, and I will show you what shall befall them and what shall befall you in the days to come? What? So was he prophesying over his sons or was he also prophesying about what would be going on in the church a thousand years from now? Both. Both. And that's where that's where I say many times we get so, am I a literalist or I'm a metaphoric metaphorist or whatever it's called so analogist or whatever it is so that means okay what I am is I'm looking for God in concepts in every story and so that's why if I look at people say well God was a killer in the old testament (laughs) This, this, this Muslim guy he's like I said yeah but but your 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 God was was peaceful in the old testament and meaning that he was a killer in the in the new one. So I'd rather have a killer in the old one and a and a nice one in the new one than I would have a killer in the new one right now. You want me to sign up while he's a killer? Why your God's a killer now? No, heck no, i am signed up while he's grace now. But anyway, it's just stupid. Um, um um the things but he was
0: actually always he was actually always grace they just didn't see the grace in it.
1: you know that's my that's my message. That's it.
0: And we're both we're, we're literalist and 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 I mean we're both. Yeah. All of them.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I and, and David should have been killed. I mean he should have been killed and his whole lineage kicked out. But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan overrode, you know, the the law. So you know that's where we gotta. We think we know everything sometimes. And we gotta. There's certain things that are for sure, and that was David's heart. It always comes back to heart, and it always comes back to what David did with his heart. But here's the thing: as I was saying, as you read over the text, you begin to see, as we were talking about, that everything is likened unto. You can read it. Without tripping, if you start to trip over every scripture where, you know, I don't understand that, and I don't understand, okay, well, I read that, and I just don't understand how God could kill the homosexuals, and why did he kill, okay, what was he pull back and say, okay, whatever was going on, what was happening to the hearts of the people that caused them to get in this predicament with God? And then we start looking at it differently. You know, well, they, they let their lust overtake them. And when it did, it started driving them towards non productive things and destructive things. Okay, can you agree with that? Yeah, I, I can agree with that because it's true. Right. I mean, the, <laughs> that's why the Bible has been the best seller for all these years. That's why there's so many arguments on it, but it still exists. I just read a statistic today on Bible sales this morning, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was by Tyndale Publishing, and it was saying that that in the last two years, it has it exceeded the last two years, which were numbers that were five times greater. A Bible, people are buying Bibles. The world looks wacky, but where grace, where sin abounds, God, He's just. So if sin abounds, then that means God infuses the the ground floor with more of him. Because when he made this thing, he set good in the land. So the further we get away from good, the more the land throws the land off basis. And that goes with everything. It throws a home off. Well, I don't agree with that. You're just a moralist. Okay, then let's talk about the peace in your house. Why don't you go in your house, snack like an ass every day, and tell me what the outcome is. It don't matter whether you're saved and unsaved. It's we know the outcome. Probability. Let's go to science. Probability is you got a high ninety-five to ninety-seven percent of divorce if you go to that house every day and try to start a fight. I mean, it's just stupid. There's certain things. good wins when you're good. You know, goodness God put in there. We can all agree on that on that level. So anyway, um, I'm just trying to help folks see perspectives in the Bible so that they look for the concepts that talk to them personally about how to live. And if you have any questions or comments on that before I kind of carry that thought into some more stuff on the cluster, let me know. Okay. Um, and so as we get into the to the cluster, we're looking at these pre, pre-established blessings that are coming through us in our togetherness and understanding as we use our gifts and callings together and are faithful to the word of God that there are and the promises God makes and please please you guys if you could hear me say this are always made in the middle of captivity so when you're fearing for America there is promises already just because hell is breathing it's it's stinky breath on us, and it's getting closer up in our face and pressing on us, and we can't even push back or say your breath is stinky, or we're gonna get in trouble for not I mean they've set this thing up in a manner, but they have not predicted what God does to men and women that turn their hearts towards him and starts pouring out his spirit through them and overcoming what society is doing. I know that wheat and the tares shall grow up together until the end, but we have a part to do until that end is, whenever and however it is. We have a responsibility. We know there's going to be conflict. So you think you got this little idea of Jesus tiptoeing through the tulips with a peace sign on in like a hippie. You know, um, that ain't happening, baby. He ain't up in there hugging trees and stuff. I mean, he he was a revolutionary when he came on the scene. My God, everything he said and did was contrary. And That's what he said. You've heard it said, but now I say, oh, he just said that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Now, you heard him say that, but now I say, who are you? You know, and why does what you say make more sense than what he says when he's the one of authority? Where did you get your authority from? My authority doesn't come from myself. My authority comes from God. My authority, you know, Lord, Lord, here we go. I mean, but at the same time, his works weren't to promote his ego. People, scholars have often said, why did Jesus say so many times that uh, things like um, don't tell anybody after he did a miracle? And He knew two things. He knew that men would do it anyway, and he also knew that his position was going to be detachment from um, ego stroking. It was going to be detachment from the applause. He knew he had to do that, which is interesting. He took such a far end um, um, stand on the stuff and, and, and we know scripture says, declare the works of the Lord, you know, when the Lord's done miracle to spread it, to declare it. Um, and here's the thing as we move into the New Testament church. We have to understand that God is not done with the church. I mean, the thing decentralizing us, putting us all behind our computers at home, detached from the spirit of things. And, and here's what it really does. It detaches us from the ability to have feet on the ground, expressing our voice as one, because that's where all these promises are made. Yeah, I mean they're all made in that spot, and so that's the objective is to get us off of that spot. And um, you know, I can I agree that um, there's been some attempts in the past where people have tried to on every continent they would sing a part of a song and then everybody would sing it together and they would all play it at the same time on tv we are the world we are the children we are the ones that make a brother. day and then they go over to zimbabwe we are the one we are the children and then they go over to the next one and everybody's singing and they're all boop doop doop nigga bongos over here and then they got a folk guitar up there, we're in the world, you know, but they're all harmonizing, singing as one, and you know, that it's moving though, you can feel it, but you know how much work it did to do that, I mean, that's why he said, look, I'm going to centralize this thing, and we have have two or three, you gather together in my name, hey, <laughs> You lift up yourself in one heart and one voice. I didn't say just come in with your lug head, hang out in the back of the room, look at your phone, read, make your grocery list, and look at how they messed up your left fingernail you know, at the at the place yesterday, and you are gonna go get them. You wish you could speak Vietnamese, so you could tell them whatever. You know, you got go all that going on inside of our head, or brother so and so over there eyeing a woman, and now you're caught up on the fact that he just full of the devil, and now you can't even you don't even know what's going on. And that's another thing is pastors. This is where I get up on pastors because we've got to get out of this trying to. To the secret that this user-friendly thing brought us hell as a church. We thought it did us good because it grew a bunch of big churches. But what it did is it made a bunch of shallow, watered down Christians that don't know the Bible, don't desire to read the Bible and whine every time something goes wrong. And um, you know, we lost significant understanding of miracles. And I know there was people that abused it, but I'm just telling you, the working of miracles is not your candy-coated church services. It's get up, move, do this, get up, sit down, move. No, you don't. What's he doing? What is it? You don't understand. I mean, you know, it's the understanding of how that. There's blessings in the cluster. I believe that's why this transition was made. I listed all these Old Testament things, and we know in the New Testament we got apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, and, and then we've got um, you know um, elders and we've got deacons. They serve as ministry clusters within the body of Christ. If each one of these clusters was in its proper shape, I mean, if the evangelist had a team of evangelists that they raised up uh, not to be the only ones to do the work, but because that's what clusters do, then they contain something within them that can get on the rest of the body. It's not just so well that we, Old Testament, we just isolate and then they, they do that. You know, it's like one of the things I was telling a group of pastors today was, if your leaders don't have a pastoral grace about them and aren't willing to get one, you can't let them be in lead spots. You can't because if the ministry is a strong word ministry and it's strong leadership, then those elders have to carry that spirit just like the the senior person too, but they also have to understand that their pastoral side is what is going to keep the people nurtured and fed, you know, and 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 cared for up in the body. So it's just just so, so vital. And I'm talking about department head leaders. I mean, if you're department head leader, well, they're really organized, but they just don't, I mean, come on. That's I mean, that's just part of it. And how many people we just give the term, you know, well, that's pastor. So-and-so. Oh, so he, that's pastor over the music team. That's great. Well, tell me about how you disciple. But he offended me. You're a new guy you had brought in today. And that offended me. Cause he asked me, I'm like, he's prying up in my business. I'm thinking, bro, your business would be asking how you put a song together. Me asking about the father's business is the father's business. That. That's a whole nother thing. I can ask about discipleship. Matter of fact, how's your own devotional life, buddy? That's my private life. No, 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 no. That's what qualifies you to get here. You know, this ain't a piano bar down the street. Go get your $50 an hour down there playing your piano man thing. And and then you can say what you want to say. But up in here, it's different. These are the essentials to us reproducing and accomplishing the will of God in the earth. And there's already blessings established for these areas. And, and I know I'm tipping around out here. And if you want to say something, I'll stop for a minute before I, I go to this next spot. So, you know,
0: what you're talking about and what you're doing is, is this. Once you come into him, you ain't got no business. Yeah. This yeah. is not private anymore. He yeah, says, yeah. when you come into him, we've been bought with price. And, and and it is to glorify him in that body and through that body. And what you're talking about the cluster, what you do affects me.
1: Yeah. It does. You know, you
0: know, as apostles, if we don't have a pastoral heart, we don't have an evangelistic heart, if we don't have a teaching heart, I mean, you mm-hmm. are. Preaches. I love hearing you preach. I mean, you just tickle me, okay? But uh, and I get a lot out of it too. But the whole thing of it is, is this: as this apostle, as with this apostolic thing that's in you and on you, you have to be able to teach.
1: You have to. You
0: have to be Able to teach, and that teaching must have some evangelistic pull, that's and that right. te- have some pastoral pull and that teaching must have some prophetic pull that teaching must have and released and break mm-hmm. in that apostolic thing i mean you know it is it, just a part of it so uh, no, just just continue on. I mean, people got to get this. They got to get this, that your life ain't your own anymore and you ain't got all this private stuff. That's been the problem. You've been so private that you've been jacking up and, 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 and doing all kinds of stuff in places and the privacy ain't private no more. So anyway, yeah. I'll up so that you can continue,
1: please. Well, it's true. And then the flip side of that, of course, is sorry, my lighting's tripping out here a little bit, but... Um, that's but, okay. Um, it
0: just reminds me of the time that I was in the hotel and we were taping. And you say, you black people, you 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 too dark to have not to have more light. So I'm just letting you know, you too white not to have more light on here.
1: <laughs> well, I think the sun the sun went down while we've been on the phone. So it's like now it got dark in here and I need to stand up and adjust the lighting, and I can't. So <laughs> so I'll just work it out today. But you know. I, I, I just, as we continue to to roll in this, I just feel like it's really critical. You know, we're talking about things that um, you need to be redefined. And, and, and I know we continue to get on that point whenever we come across this, but, you know, we have this, we got to have pastors that are available, senior people, leaders that are available and willing to move forward. They they have to be willing to move forward into what God has for them. Um, yeah, what he's already promised us. There's some guys that they're still trying to bring. Well, you know, my folks said uh, they were Baptists and they don't really understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we've been working for the last 15 years to, to introduce that. I'm like, 15 years to introduce it? I'm like, how long did it take Paul when he found out a group of people weren't preaching it? What did he go do in Acts 19? He said, oh, y'all haven't heard about that? You only heard about the, the, you know, repentance. Oh, okay. Well, let me tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit then. I mean, that's called apostolic input. I mean, and, and see, that's the thing is churches are, they're crazy people out there too. And they take advantage of that. And they try to bring in false stuff. But when you know you're getting real, it's just not what your folks have been used to then you've got to preach in such a manner that prepares your people. It's like when you first send your kids to join a organized sports, and you're trying to explain to them now, honey, the coach isn't going to, when you, this is how the coach is going to be with you. You know, it's, it's not going to be, and you're, when you do bad, you're going to get embarrassed and you're going to want to quit. I mean, you got to explain all this stuff to people, but Everybody goes through it. You just hang in. And that sounds like today, kids are like, well, that's abuse. And I'm thinking, how will you ever learn anything? You know, you don't. You pretend until you have a mental breakdown. And then you, what do you say? I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what life is all about. Yeah. You're running in circles instead of putting your feet down and putting in the work. (laughs) Hey, I'm messing now. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I got to pull this out here, but I just want to say that. That you know, so many people don't have time for personal development. They don't make time to grow. They don't make time to question what they believe. They don't make time to to re re look at things that they used to see a certain way. And um, and and communication skills. It's like people communicate one way and then expect everybody to respond to it, and then just say people don't want Jesus, and and that's not true either, because you. You're thinking about you instead of thinking about getting a job done. You know, you're not quitting. You don't get to quit. Now go make some sales. Well, I, they don't want it. Well, you're going to have to find it more appealing then. Try a different approach. Try. I mean, I'm just using, there's so many metaphors of life, but I think and believe firmly that pastors in this hour have got to, and not just revert to legalism, well, I'm just going to go tell them everything that's wrong. You've got to be smarter than that. You've got to be more than that. You have to have, where are you taking them to? Why do you, what's the cause underneath it all? I don't know about all that. I just know they need to quit. And that's a, you know, then then you need to let someone else that knows a little more than you teach because you need to learn a little more. See, we, the world is sped up. Kids know things today. I mean, I was talking to a kid the other day that I thought for sure this kid was a dunta, you know, that's Spanish for dumb, you know, just kind of down and porosito and all, you know, nasty goth kind of a attitude, you know, to him and all this. And and I said something and I quoted the wrong book in the Bible. And the girl looks up up with her hair, eyeball hanging out her hair. And she's like, no, that was Genesis 13. You quoted it wrong. You said 17. I was like, how do you know that? She goes, Well, I've been reading it. I mean, I just try and figure out what everybody's talking about. I'm like you know I'm like, what the hell? Oh, we're
0: out of time, Barry. we out of time.
1: Sorry, <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, okay. Joe Henry was getting ready to pull the plug on us. Anyway, this is Apostle Baker, Jay Baker, and Apostle Barry Cook. And Uh, Thank you for joining us and share this with people as he plays with his light. Anyway, we will be back next week when we're here still telling it like it is. Please join us. Bye bye.